Welcome to Fuck Your Disorder. My name is Amanda Hess. I am a certified life coach. And when I decided to ditch my disorder and love myself instead, I finally started enjoying my life. It turns out love fixes a lot more problems than hate. You can't hate yourself better because the truth is you are already perfect. Hello and welcome. I have such an exciting episode for you today. I am interviewing a past client. I consider her to be a friend and just an all-around genuinely amazing human being, Jerry Roberts on the podcast today. Jerry has been my client for over a year and her transformation has been exceptional. And I think that if you are currently in your life really wanting to have different results, really wanting to be able to see yourself differently, really being able to wanting to be able to perform differently, to be able to show up differently, you're going to want to listen to what Jerry has to say because it is impactful. The journey that she's been on is the journey that I really do think everyone needs to go on. Of course, it's her own personal um, interpretation of that journey. But what I will say is that the person she was to the person she is now is completely changed with respect to her confidence, her belief in herself, how she views her life, how she views her body, how she views her personality, all changed. So buckle up, have a listen. You're going to want to hear what Jerry has to say. And Also, just as an aside, if you do suffer from TMJ, make sure that you go and follow her on Instagram because she really knows her shit and you definitely want to hear what she has to say about that too. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have a very special guest for you here today. Her name is Jerry Roberts, and she is the owner and CEO of the TMJ Clinic in Owen Sound in Ontario in Canada. And Jerry has kindly agreed to come on the podcast today to tell you all about her experience with coaching, with coaching with me what she's learned, what she's implemented, all the things. So Jerry, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is so fun. I worked with Jerry for a year. Yeah, it was right? a year. about a year. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I always joke she's one of my favorite clients, but she kind of is. They all are. Don't worry. If you're my client, you're my favorite too. But really and truly, um, it's been a real fun experience for me watching your growth and seeing your change. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I know you're like one of my favorite humans in this whole world. So I'm I'm so excited to be here and like chat because it's been a while. It's been a hot minute. I know. Same, same. So basically, I like to say Jerry graduated from coaching with me. And so she's out just using the skills that she's learned and taking the growth that she's had and growing herself even bigger and evolving more um, with her life, with her business, with her family, all the things. But maybe, Jerry, where where we can start is start at the beginning um, and just maybe share what brought you to coaching and what made you decide that was something you wanted to do? Um, Okay. So I didn't even know coaching really was a thing until um, you had coached Janelle, who was married to my cousin. And I saw the transformation that Janelle had through her experience with working with you. And I was like, 
going to give that maybe a try because I've done, you know, traditional therapy on and off for, you know, the better part of 10 to 15 years, which I mean, was good, but I was ready to try something a little bit different. So, um, so that's kind of what led me to coaching and then knowing somebody that had great success was like, okay, well, you know, if she's benefited, maybe it'll benefit from, for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then when I came to you, um, it was, there was a couple of things that I wanted to work on, which was anxiety, which was a huge thing in my life. Um, but at the time I was also, um, trying to heal my relationship with disordered eating. Um, so body image, um, was a huge thing for me as well. So that's kind of what brought me to you. And I'm so glad that it did because <laughs> I've come out the other side. Yeah. I just, you know, it's even when I think back to it, when I think about when we first started working together and how you are now, the difference is actually quite palpable, just even with respect to like what I'd say is your confidence and your sort of assuredness of just being yourself. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel the change as well, which I never, if you asked me a year ago, like if I would be the person I am right now, I would have been calling your bullshit on that. Cause I feel like honestly night and day compared to where I was when I started with you. So. Yeah. I think that's amazing. I mean, you did all the hard work and I always like to, to really mention that too, because no person's journey is alike and everybody has their, you know, things that they bring with them. You know, we have our past trauma. We have the way that our brain actually works. We have all of the beliefs that we have about ourselves that are broken. But you're, I always think it's interesting how some people are more coachable than others. And I don't mean this as a judgment because I actually think that for me, when I first started my journey through coaching and and changing my life, I was not very coachable. So <laughs> I, I know that for a fact. And it's literally not a problem just in case anybody's listening and noticing that you know you have resistance with your coach or maybe you coach with me and you realize that maybe you're resistant i don't want to make that a problem because it isn't and we're all we all have our own journey but one of the things that i think is your strength is your ability to stop and really actively listen and understand and really apply it. I think that's really amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's something I really noticed about you. Yeah. I mean, um, I de- like, I definitely knew that it, if I was going to invest in coaching, like I'm definitely going to put the action behind it. I didn't want it to be one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I'll try it and kind of half-ass it. So I knew that okay, if I'm doing this, like, I'm going to do the work, I'm going to do the, you know, all the thought work, the uncomfortable, sitting with the uncomfortable emotions and that sort of thing. And I'm glad that I did, because obviously, it's, it's changed me for the better. Um, and having a coach like yourself, like you, you did make it not a problem when there were things that I wasn't necessarily I think I was open to most things, but I know there was always resistance to things that made me uncomfortable. And the fact that it wasn't a problem, um, I think that helped me to put into action some of the things that you were suggesting. Yeah, I always think of it as it's kind of like a dance, right? So if I take a step forward and you don't step with me, then that's okay. But I just need to take another step back and we need to figure it out, right? Um, 
When you talk about, you know, at the beginning with your experience with anxiety, maybe you can just share a little bit about what your relationship was like with your anxiety and how that was showing up for you. Um, so for me, it was playing a huge role, um, both professionally and personally. Um, and it was holding me back a lot. Um, so I, I would take a lot of inaction. I would get very overwhelmed and just either do nothing or I would, you know, do the scrolling on social media for hours or, you know, have a glass of wine and then maybe two and that sort of thing. So that's kind of how it was showing up for me was, and I didn't even know that it was like a thing, um, that it was just me avoiding the feelings of anxiety. So, um, so yeah, professionally it was showing up like I would do in action. I'd want to do all these things. I get overwhelmed by all of the changes I'd want to implement. And then just, yeah, in home life, it just, there was a laundry list of to-do lists that it never seemed to end. And then instead of doing things, I would just scroll social media and drink wine. So not yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's probably relatable for a lot of people, right? Because yeah. I mean, the reality is, is we all do it. Like I still do that sometimes just yeah. so we're all clear. Nobody is this yeah. perfect. I'm fully coached human that like never scrolls social media or doesn't drink a glass of wine or isn't like, this is too much today. Like that happens, right? Yes. The thing is for me now, I'm aware of it and yeah. you know, I'm aware of it. And sometimes I'm, I'm okay with it. Like sometimes I'm like, I actually kind of need this right now. But uh, <laughs> before I didn't realize like that was my coping. That was me like escaping and distracting myself from actually dealing with the feeling of anxiety. So, um, so now I'm able to coach myself out of that, which, you know, obviously back then it was uh, not happening for me. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I'd love to talk a little bit about is how we implemented like a self-care day for you where yeah. you weren't allowed to work. Yes. Still <laughs> happening. Still my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Because I think that, and I hear this a lot, this time of year is just rampant with messaging about discipline and you know, forcing yourself to do the hard thing and eating the frog and all of that stuff. And, and I think there's a place for it. It's not that I think that you should never have any discipline in your life, but when you are so overwhelmed, like you were with your business, with your, you know, responsibilities at home, with the husband that was working shift work, with everything that was going on, um, I think we can get to this place where we really think that the solution is to apply pressure. But, that's not what we did with you. <laughs> no. And I think if if we're talking about any resistance throughout the whole coaching uh, time that we spent together, that was probably the hardest thing for me to do was to slow down. Mm -hmm. um, it was. It was so hard. And when I think about it, it's kind of weird that that was the hardest thing to do. But it was. But so necessary. And like there was times throughout our coaching that when I found if I let that day go or I let my work seep into that Wednesday off, it was very apparent <laughs> and it started to bleed into my work life, my personal life. And that was an eye opener that was like, okay, yep, this day needs to be my day. Even if it's like a two hour chunk, yeah. I have to 
it, it was it was a non-negotiable it ha- it's imperative so that was a game changer for me yeah i think it would be for so many people because we are so married to productivity that is you know just the nature of growing up in the society that we we've grown up in and that we live in and i think that in many ways just our ability to see other people on social media in particular and seeing them doing all the things we can get very it's alluring to think that that's the way of it that you should be always busy and that you should always be doing and that that's how you create a life where you don't have anxiety yeah it's <laughs> and i remember like i think the first couple of times where i had that day to myself like i i had that urge to like pick up the phone and like i felt very unsettled like doing nothing um but yeah like not being productive and resting is being productive and it was a very tough lesson for me to figure out but now that i recognize it for what it is like if you're not doing it do it <laughs> <laughs> yes i love it i love that you share that because i think that um you know when you, especially I think when you're an entrepreneur, but potentially with any business that you're working, because I do, I've certainly coached women who are, you know, working full time either, and it doesn't even have to be like necessarily an executive role. Like I've coached teachers, I think are actually the worst for this and nurses and that they are always feeling like it's not enough and they can't get it all done. And so they feel like they're on that hamster wheel getting nowhere. And I, I think that was kind of the experience you were having. Um, yeah, yeah, that was sort of what you were feeling and then feeling all that intense anxiety and then needing to escape it because it's, it's honestly so hard to keep applying pressure to anxiety because it just really cranks it up. And then it's sort of like a pressure cooker, like it needs to come out somewhere. So (laughs) you get to decide, right. Or you could actually relieve the pressure beforehand so that it never gets to that place. And then you actually have the ability you know, ironically, to be a lot more productive. Totally. And (laughs) remember, we talked about this a few times where there would be situations where I was overwhelmed and you're like, okay, but think about what if this was easy? What would that look like? And it like made me think, and I remember one of the times I think like making dinners and stuff like that. And you're like, well, what about a meal prep, you know, service or like, you know, going online and having, you know, the week's meals planned, like even simple things like that. Like, so now reflecting going forward, when I do have a situation, I'm like, okay, but what if this was easy? What would that look like? And then I try to implement what that would be. And that's, that was a good lesson. I love that. I think powerful questions are one of the beautiful things that coaching offers because when we're asked a question that we don't know the answer to, it like makes us squirm in our seat, right? Like we're just like, mm, that's so uncomfortable. I have no idea. And yeah. I think that's kind of coaching sometimes in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Just ask the uncomfortable question and then have to really sit in the discomfort of coming up with the answer. And really a question like, but what if this was fun? Like, could you make making dinner a fun thing? It's really, it butts up against our belief system, right? Which is like, well, meal planning is supposed to be hard and it's supposed to kind of suck and nobody likes it. Yeah, totally. Right? But it is actually kind of fun now. Amelia's in the kitchen, like making pizzas and, you know, like we're finding all of these different fun recipes that we probably wouldn't have tried otherwise because I'm a 
creature of habit. So yeah. So that was a good lesson that I took away and still implement. I love that. I love that. I think that's so great. You know, it's funny. It's actually one of the questions that my very first coach used to ask me that I found so difficult. And (laughs) (laughs) you know, you do kind of hold them with you and, and you take them with you wherever you go. And it's such a gift for you to be able to realize that your emotional experience is a lot more in your control than you realize. 100%. And that even that in itself reduced my anxiety. (laughs) Like, Mm. I remember times like, I still hear you in the back of my head saying like, remember what is in your control and what is not in your control. And I think about that often when I feel like kind of spinny and getting overwhelmed and it just grounds me. I love that. What else do you do for grounding out of curiosity? What are the things that work for you? Um, Thought work is still like huge for me. Like just even if I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't know why I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll do like a thought download and kind of pull out Mm -hmm. the things that are sticking out to me and then do the unintentional model and then the intentional model. That for me has been huge. And then just thinking thoughts like, you know, my thoughts aren't just because they're my thoughts, they're not true. Like nothing has gone wrong here. Like, having those thoughts on the, on the regular have helped ground me. Um, and like that self-care day that we talked about has been instrumental in keeping me even keel. Yeah. I think those are both really good practices. I mean, the thought model just for anybody that's, that's listening, that doesn't know is just a coaching tool that I use that i you know, didn't develop. It came through my training at the life coach school when I was certified. Um, I always use it with my clients. It's such a useful tool just because we don't need to change how we think to be more positive. We need to look at how we think to have some awareness of what is happening for me right now. Because so often when we do feel intense anxiety, it can change in a minute, right? Like it can change in a heartbeat just like totally. a dime, like you're fine. And then you're not fine. And the reason why is because of what you're thinking. Totally. And I will say too, I did get much better. I know it was a challenge for me in the beginning to um, feel uh, the mm-hmm. feelings in my body, but you know, anxiety is a, a huge one for me. So I know what that feels like. And I now am able to sit with it until I can bring it down. So that has, I should say, that is another strategy I do use. I think that's huge. You know, um, we don't, we're not taught how to feel as kids. No. So we really have no capacity for it as adults. And then life does not get easier (laughs) as an adult. (laughs) Be cool if it did. Yeah, it would be so great, but it does not. It gets a lot harder. I mean, I, I think it's like it's a double-edged sword. It's like anything, you know, like my teenager, my 16-year-old is like, well, I just can't wait till I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want. I'm like, yeah, it's true. You can. You get to do whatever you want, but the decisions However, you make are a lot harder and it's it's a different, it's just a different 50-50. Like you're just going to have more autonomy, but with that autonomy comes a lot more responsibility and You know, that's just the way of it. I just think it's really interesting because we do, as adults, get, I think, kind of pissed off that it's hard. Like somehow it's not supposed to be. (laughs) Well, and that's funny that um, you said that too. Like that just made me think I was looking through our, like my journals from when we started coaching. 
And I was reading through like a lot of the body image stuff. And there was a lot of like uncomfortable feelings, obviously. And I remember us having the conversation that, you know, everybody thinks growing or change should just like feel good and feel easy. And it doesn't. And it sucks. (laughs) And I remember like seeing multiple entries about obviously that was a recurring theme for me. Um, yeah, I'm just like, it's going to be easy and it's going to feel good and it's not. And yeah, sorry, that just reminded me of that. No, I love that. I think that's really important to talk about because that's true, right? When I'll say to somebody, I often will ask the question and I, I'm i sure I've asked you this too. I will say like, what's the upside of thinking that way? Like when you're mad at your body, when you're upset with how you acted or how you look or what you're doing with your life. I'm like, what's the upside? And people will often say to me, nothing. And I'm like, no, no, there is an upside. Like there's always an upside or you wouldn't do it. Right. And there's always a payoff. Like the upside is you don't have to be uncomfortable because it's familiar. The upside is that you know the answer. The upside is that maybe everybody else will agree with you. Yeah. So there is always an upside. But when I look at something like body image, I think it's an uphill battle no matter what you do. Yeah. But you absolutely can love your body if you decide to. But tell me your thoughts on it because I'm curious what you have to say about that. Yeah. I like, had you asked me this again a year ago, I would have been like, you're full of shit. But now, knowing what I know now and what I've gone through, I would absolutely agree with you. Like, I remember several times, like you saying, like, you just have to decide, like, that you are. You, and, and I'm not going to lie and say, I look in the mirror every day and be like, oh, damn, you know, like, I look good. But coming from the place um, where I was when I started to where I am now, where I'm like super neutral, um, some days, obviously, I'm like, yeah, like, I think I look great. But you just have to decide. And for me in the beginning, that was like super unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like those little baby steps that we took. And I feel like I'm there now. So I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I have an analogy. You know, I love them. They're like my yeah. love language. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you like them. Otherwise, you wouldn't have coached with me because you'd be like, okay, I'm <laughs> over it. Um, I was driving with my son today. He has... Uh, Anyways, it's a project completion day. So I don't have school today. Well, they do, but only if you have to complete a project. So he wanted me to drive him and his friend to the ski hill. It's about an hour from my home. And uh, he's like, can you, can I, can you drive me? I was like, yes, my husband's so annoyed right now because he now has to go pick him up. It's literally four hours of driving to get this kid to the ski hill. Right. But anyways, he asked if he could drive and I'm like, yeah, you can drive. So he's driving. He's 16. So here in BC, that's learner's license territory. and. Uh, the speed limit, you know, on the highway was a hundred and he was going like 106, 109. I'm like, so you got to go a hundred. The speed limit's a hundred. Like, oh, well, I just can't notice. I'm like, that's not true though, because you're not going 115. So you do know that the speed limit's a hundred, but in your brain, you've made this decision that it's okay to go over a hundred. So you are. And I'm like, what I want you to think is, the speed limit's 100, so I go 100 or less. The 100 is the maximum. It never goes above the 100. And I yeah. know you can do it because you're not going 120. So I know you know how. And I know you can make that decision, right? We had this conversation like 18 times, by the way. It was just lovely. And 
I just, the reason why I think it's a good analogy is because people will say to me, I can't think that. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. You do decide, but you don't want to decide. And the reason why isn't because you're a bad person or there's something wrong with you or you're stupid or, you know, you're just combative. It's none of those reasons. The reason why is because we're so socialized to believe that being thin is the most important thing in the world. 100%. So it is ingrained in us in a way that is so... Like we have muscle memory. I I did a podcast about this a long time ago where I'm like, we have emotional memory and we do. So we have thought memory too, right? Wherein that's like really what beliefs are. And so we've just thought that for so long and it has been so ingrained in us, not just like through like actual, you know, people saying it directly, but the indirect bullshit that we continue to consume. Totally. Is endless. Yeah. Endless. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to decide like the speed limit's a hundred and you're going to go a hundred and some other people think that it's a hundred. That means 120, but you're like, no, it's a hundred. The end. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> Sorry. It was like a long rant, but what are your thoughts about that? Like, I'm curious. Yeah. Like I would agree. And it, it just reminded me actually of this happened several times. I remember like the body image I feel like was the hard, hardest thing for me to kind of like get ahead of and get control of. And I remember us having conversations like kind of like what you were saying where it's kind of muscle memory because I would be like, but I I feel like I shouldn't think that. And you're like, but you still, part of you still does. So you can't ignore Mm -hmm. that that's ignoring that is not going to help the situation. And I think that's what took me so long because you're right. The messaging is literally everywhere, like commercials, social media, every, like you're bombarded. And, um, until I came to terms with like, yeah, there was a fraction of me that still believed that thin was the ideal until I could come to terms with that. I couldn't believe that I was okay the way I was. Yeah. I, that's an important piece of it is knowing that your brain offers you thoughts all the time, all the time. And we don't grab a hold of all of them. Like I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about this this morning. And, um, you know, in mental health, they talk a lot about oh, what is the name of it? Like when you have thoughts that, are, that come in, what is the name? There's a name for it, anyways. It's like, why? It's gone. Anyways, it's so frustrating when that happens on a podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's basically thoughts that you don't want to be thinking, like damaging thoughts, like, you know, crazy thoughts. I'll put that in air quotes, right? Um, intrusive thoughts. That's what it is. I'm like, I know it's in there. Oh <laughs> but intrusive thoughts, we all have them. So I was thinking about like how my son might like drive off the road and we might all die. That was a thought that like came through my head while we were driving down the road. And I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, I have those thoughts all the time, but I don't take them as being the truth. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to take that thought and make that true. I'm like, oh, well, that's literally probably not ever going to happen. You're fine. You're safe. Let's keep going. But I think it's the same when it comes to body image thoughts. So that's why I bring it up because like you look in the mirror and your brain might be like, 
you're fat, your stomach is too big, your hips are too wide, you've got cellulite, you look gross, nobody would ever find you attractive if they saw you naked. Like all of those thoughts that all of us honestly have, I think are worth understanding that they're going to come. Yeah. But just because that's happening doesn't mean that you can't start adding in new thoughts that you want to think on purpose. Yeah. And I think that was a hard part for me. And I remember actually just reading that in my past journals was that I kept I kept thinking those things that I'm like, well, I don't want to think these things because then I'm just like the rest of the assholes that think, you know, thin is ideal and thin's the best. And you're like, but just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Like you don't have to sit down and have coffee with these thoughts. Like it is what it is going to happen. And you get to choose whether you're going to entertain it or not. And I remember us having that conversation so many times. And I will let you explain this analogy if you remember it, because this was the TSN turning for me. It was like, I think it was talking about um, similar to muscle memory, emotional memory, where you learn how to ride a bike when you're like five, and then you don't ride it for like 20 years. And then you you pick it back up and you start riding again. It's the same with like diet culture thoughts. Like you've had thoughts thrown at you since you were five that like, fat is bad, thin is good. So you can't get mad at yourself for having those thoughts because it's like getting mad at yourself for riding a bike and knowing how to do it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I got that analogy right, but that was kind of one of the game changers for me when you gave that to me. Well, if you think about it, your brain, I mean, I could be wrong. You tell me. You're the massage therapist. <laughs> I think you'll know. But your brain is actually kind of like a muscle. Like yeah. it's got nerves in it, but it's also got muscle in there. Like it's, it's a part of your body. I think we get very dissociative when it comes to our body and our brain. Um, I think we do it in mental health as well. It's kind of fascinating how we just really disconnect parts of us as being like, oh, that's the bad part of me. Um, when it comes to thoughts, I think we do do that. Like, yes, you have muscle memory. And it's amazing. You know, when I think about going back to figure skating, the things that I can do are not because I'm like some, you know, amazing adult skater and I could just pick it up in a heartbeat. No, I started skating when I was like four and I skated until I was like 16. So I have a lot of muscle memory and my body can just pick that up without even me having to participate. So when you think about thoughts, same. You don't even participate. They just come in unbidden. It's not something you want to think. And the thing is, is that you might believe that it's still kind of true. You've got to decide though, whether or not you want it to be true. Yeah. And I remember talking about that, like our conversations with that too, like just because they're there, like you have to determine what's, what's the result that you want. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of what you have to keep at the forefront. Not the, do you kind of believe it's still true? Like focus on the result. Yeah. And focus on the input. Because it's almost like, it's like anything. If you're starting something new, if you focus constantly on how you're doing it wrong, you're never going to get better. Like, oh, I did that wrong. And then I did that wrong. And then this sucked. And just noticing the emotional energy that surrounds that, which is, you know, shame, frustration, irritation, anger, sadness, disappointment. And those emotions and the quality of action that then comes with the thing you're doing and the ultimate result, right? Versus 
could you just forgive yourself for that? Like, oh, I didn't do that great. Oh, well, okay. What am I going to do? I'm supposed to do that. Okay. I'm going to try that again. I'm going to try and do it like that. Um, And keeping your focus there. It's, I think the most important part of that is reminding yourself that your brain doesn't work like that on its own. Yeah, exactly. It takes a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so worth it. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, the difference for you actually doing that work. And I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because it doesn't take a lot of time, but it, it, it does take a lot of, I would say maybe effort to do that. Um, Yeah, it does. Like now that I'm into the routine of doing the thought models, I can do them pretty quick. But initially when I first started, it could be frustrating because, well, for example, like the result, you'd be like, I don't want to think I'm fat. Like, and you have to kind of work your way back, like the result and then work your way back. So it, for me, initially it was hard. Um, and you kind of have to sit and mine out the thoughts. Like, why do you think this? And I remember for some of them I had to like, but why, but why, but why, but why to get to the root. Um, and sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you don't, but now it's like almost automatic. Like I can, I can do it so quickly now and it's so worth it um, to just even get in the daily practice of just doing a thought download, just start, even just starting there just to like get the thoughts on paper, but it has helped my anxiety so much. And just even getting the results I want through business and my personal life, Mm -hmm. it's, it's been, it's been pretty wild. Yeah. I noticed your demeanor is just so different. And then maybe you can speak to that a little bit too, with respect to um, possibility, because tell me what your relationship was like with possibility when we first started working together, if that question's not too like out there for you. Um, well, I, I would say, <clears throat> I, I don't know if I... I hoped that it was possible, like there was hope, but I hadn't, I know like we had talked many times about like, sometimes you have to choose to believe without evidence. And when we started together, I, I needed the evidence. I had to have the evidence for everything. And that's just, it just, you have to believe without evidence. And it was the most frustrating thing for me. Um, but then once I started doing the work, the thought work and sitting with the discomfort and all of the uncomfortable feelings, that's when I saw change. That's when I saw the results. And then I was like, okay, maybe there is something to it. And the more I did it, the, you know, the better I got, the, the results came. And so, yeah, like I think now, like Jerry, now, if you had told me I would have been here in this place, then I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but it is possible. And I think you just have to give yourself a shot. Yeah. Well, possibility. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast don't necessarily have access to that right now. And it's, I, I, I do really vividly remember when it was like that for me. And I know that it was kind of like that for you too. Like you have hope, but that hope seems so tenuous and it's almost like the end of the rainbow. It's like, how do I get there though? I just don't understand. It's always moving. Like I can't quite catch it. And you know, what I saw in you is when you realize that, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but honestly, 
It's you though. You are the possibility. You are the person that can create it. You are the person that has everything you need. You are the person that is a hundred percent whole and lovable and enough already. So you don't have to work for that. You don't need to go hustle for that. And once you know you have that, then you're open to failing. Totally. A hundred percent. I yeah. And like I remember you talking like fail like fail as fast as you can, fail as many times. And once I started to apply that and not make failure mean anything about me, it was just like, that didn't work. Let's try again. And I found through this process, I'm definitely more resilient um, than I ever was. And yeah, it's, yeah, I can't thank coaching enough, honestly. Like, I mean, <laughs> therapy has its place for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. But for me, coaching was, it was it. Yeah. What changed in your life? Like, what were the big changes that you saw in your business, in your relationships, in sort of the big things in your life? What's different for you? Um, for sure. Uh, body image. Like I think I was probably as low as you could probably get, um, when it came to body image, when I first started working with you and now like, honestly, it's so neutral. Like it doesn't even phase me. Like I remember specifically there was that phase where I gained a a bunch of weight and I, it was like, I don't know, it felt like forever, but it was probably like a month where I kept getting comments like, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And it crushed me. Like it literally crushed me. And now it's just like, I think Amelia the other day said to me like, oh, mommy, you have a baby in your tummy. I'm like, nope. But, (laughs) and I just, it was so neutral. It like, if you had told me that I could have been neutral about that a year ago, I would have not believed it. So to have like my worth not tied to my physical appearance to like not have those intrusive thoughts. Like I have so much mental real estate for things that are more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's setting a good example for my daughter. Like I'm proud at the fact that I'm cha- I'm changing that for in me for her. Like it's for me, but she's benefiting um, from the body image stuff as well. Um, seeing what it's like to have a healthy body image. So that was, probably number one. Um, number two, we did like a lot of business, uh, coaching, um, and just knowing my worth as a therapist and, and my time management. And I was like trying to accommodate people in off hours and like letting it bleed into my personal time and my family time. And that just doesn't happen anymore, like at all. So that has been huge. Like, so huge um, for my mental health and my family life. So, um, and then just being able to rein in my anxiety, um, like it, like the it, it, like you said, like I said earlier, it bled into my personal life and my professional life when I was anxious, and now I can nip it before it's even a problem. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been huge. And if you're not doing coaching, I would say get. <laughs> Get on it. (laughs) I know, right? No, if I'm like, coaching forever will be in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I feel the same way. I've felt that way ever since I had my first coach. And it is kind of, it's a transformational thing, right? And you really get to change things in your life in a way that 
feels really supported and doesn't feel, I think sometimes when we, when we look at something like coaching, if we've never experienced it, we think that it's going to be like being told to do something that we don't want to do. Um, I think about books that I read back in the day before I had a coach where it was like, join the 5am club and you need to take a cold shower every morning and all this like crazy action. And listen, if you like taking cold showers, that's great for you. (laughs) I'm never going to take one. And (laughs) it's all just felt very much out of reach for me. Like it felt impossible to show up as that version of myself when I was so, I think there's some of us that we're just so hard on ourselves and we are our our go-to is kind of just beating the shit out of ourselves. And so then what you don't need is you don't need somebody holding you closer to the fire. Yeah. Well, and that's what I liked about coaching too. It was like, you met me where I was. Mm -hmm. Or like when we would go through like trying to create an intentional model, like it would always be like a thought that was attainable, something that I could believe. It wasn't something like, I feel like I'm the most gorgeous woman in the world. Like it was, something. you know what I mean? It had to be mm-hmm. something that had a niggling of truth or belief in, and it was never like far-fetched. Like you always met me where I was and helped me through that process, which was very comforting. Yeah, it is really important. I mean, when I think people get really confused sometimes, because I'll say I, I don't believe in mantras because I really don't. Um, you've got to choose the thoughts you want to think and believe, and you've got to really want to believe them. It's not even that you have to have an inkling of them. You've just got to really want them to, in a way yeah. that you really want to think that about yourself. And that is, it's it's an art, not a science, you know, yeah. and it also changes from day to day. You know, I started teaching spin recently and after a spin class, right, you stretch on the bike and some of the stretches you can do one day and not another. And it's really important that you understand, right, that with yourself and your thoughts and the things that you think about yourself and all of the other things, some days are better than others. And that doesn't mean anything. Totally. Yep. Yep. For sure. I can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because your hormones play a role and your stress plays a role and the amount of sleep you've had plays a role and whether or not it's January plays a role. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like anybody living in Can- Canada, I'm like, listen, it's January. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're done right now, by the way, which is not fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's the Januaries, just so you know. Yeah. And then there'll be the Februaries. And then March, we start getting a little reprieve because the days are longer getting a little warmer. There's birds that start coming out of the woodwork. Like it's a whole vibe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Some thoughts are better on certain days. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe just share. I would love for you to share what you're doing with your life now and where you're at and what you're going for. Okay. Um, So yeah, work has been crazy. We did a lot of business coaching, especially towards the end of our like package. Um, And it has been bananas. Um, I've implemented like so many of the things that we worked through, like increasing my fees, um, really going towards my niche. I wasn't like super confident about it before. And you're like, just go for it. And so, yeah, so I have a really thriving TMJ massage therapy practice now, which is like crazy. 
didn't think that was going to happen within, you know, like if I look last year at this time, it was, yeah, crazy. So that's been, that's been great. Um, and yeah, like my relationship with my husband and my daughter are amazing. Um, way more family time, way more like mental real estate time. I'm not mm-hmm. distracted and, you know, on the phone and that sort of thing. And yeah, it's been great. And I actually have time for myself and I'm getting out and like meeting up with my friends and oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a complete 180. It's, it's nuts. I think that's so great. I mean, I think it's, it's a real, it's a real thing to talk about too, because sometimes what happens is that we get so immersed in the day-to-day of our lives that we f- will say the words, I don't have time. And I'm always curious what that means. I'm like, what does that mean though? You know, you know that I ask you that all the time, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? Like, well, to me, it always just means that you're prioritizing things that you don't actually want to be prioritizing. And <laughs> we got to look at that. <laughs> and I at it. And it's, yeah, like there's a lot that came off of my plate and a lot that came off my list that didn't like need to be there. And what was responsibility hoarding? I think you did a podcast. Yeah. Like that was, I was adding so much to my plate that was just unnecessary. That was taking up so much of my time and time management was a huge thing that we did. And I'm so grateful for it. I love that. And also just so anybody listening knows time management when you're in a coaching container with me does not look like me going through your time and being like, so at 7am you're going to do this. And at 8am you're going to do that. And we don't use color blocking and we don't use calendar apps and we don't do any of that. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) But it was good. It was, I was, you definitely pointed out some areas where my time was seeping and it didn't need to be seeping into certain things. So we cleaned that all up. And now I actually have like start of workday, end of workday, family yes. time, social time. It's a thing, which I didn't think was ever possible. So yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I love that. That's so amazing and so powerful. And anybody listening, I hope you hear that and know that that is literally possible for every single person. Um, not to say that there isn't, you know some growing pains in that, that isn't challenging to look at, but I do look at that too, you know, a responsibility hoarding, I'll queue it up in the show notes just because anybody that hasn't listened should listen. It's a great, it's a great episode. It's a concept that I heard about. And then I sort of framed it along around like what I believe about it. But ultimately, even in, you know, in my life, I just, my husband said to me the other day is like, are you going to cook dinner? I'm like, do I have to? Yeah. I really have to because I'm pretty that's not happening. That's just not my priority. I'm like, I can cook dinner. I love cooking dinner if I have lots of time and it's, you know, very relaxed and I have music playing and it's something I want to cook. But just like putting meals on the table is not my jam. And I happily gave that up. And, you know, my 16 year old folds all our laundry. And do I love the way he folds? I do not. Okay. I don't. But I also just don't care enough about that. To make that have real estate in my brain. Exactly. Once I got that concept, I was like, this is gold. Mm -hmm. What's that? You get to choose. Like you just get to decide. And, you know, once you start focusing, like, I think what's so great and so cool about you and your life is how 
you're focusing on what you're creating. You're focusing on what you're building. You're focusing on your relationship with your husband and your daughter and your friends and your business. And you're really looking at what you're growing. And I do think that that's sort of the relation. That's sort of the, I don't know what the path of it, I guess, is because we usually start when we come, like when clients come to me and how I came to coaching was I felt like I was kind of drowning. And it was just really, really hard to keep my face above the water. Like if I stopped swimming, I was going to die. That's really how it felt. And then coaching got me to a place where I was like, oh, I can float basically. You know, like I'm okay. I can like be here. I'm not dying. It's fine. Like I'm safe and okay. And then coaching also can then take you to that next place where it's like, okay, now we're going to swim to where you want to go. Totally. And that's why I feel like this first six months we did was like getting me to the floating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next six months was like, okay, let's like, let me launch here and, and see me fly. So yeah. And now you're doing such big things like your business is exploding and, you know, you're really creating this life and this legacy that you want to leave. So I just, you know, I think you're the picture of what's possible. And I hope that anybody listening can, you know, gain some inspiration from that because, your life can be so great if you, you know, have the tools and the support, right? Yeah. And I, I look back to all of the mental clutter I had through like my body image stuff and the anxiety. And once I cleaned up all of those thoughts, then I had room to create my business and like the relationship with my husband and my daughter. It's before it was like almost like suffocating having those thoughts. And once I got rid of, not got rid of them, but once I learned how to sit with them and change them, mm-hmm. um, then I could create like whatever I wanted. And it, it's been amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for being here. If somebody wants to look you up and look your business up, how can they do that? Um, so the best place to find me would be on Instagram and it's the TMJ clinic. So that's probably the best place to find me. Um, and then my website is www.thetmjclinic.com. No, .ca. Sorry, just changed it. <laughs> just changed it. .ca. I'll put it in the yeah. show notes. Um, if you suffer from TMJ, um, reach out to Jerry and follow her. She a She has awesome reels. They're so funny. <laughs> And she is, um, she is really and truly an expert in that field. So if you are struggling with that, I really highly recommend reaching out to her. Even if you don't live in the area, I would still reach out. Um, Jerry, I love you. I love you too, friend. I'm so glad we got to chat. Me too. Thank you so much for being here. All right, everyone have a beautiful day and we'll see you here next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, I am so glad that you are here. Are we friends on Instagram? Make sure you come find me at Fuck Your Disorder. And if you love this podcast, can you please do me a favor and leave me a rating and review? Every single one helps this podcast reach more women just like you.